I'm really uh, hoping and praying that after next Saturday, people will be talking about Jesus. Though the people that you bring with you will be talking about Jesus. Um, people who don't know Jesus and don't know what to make of Jesus, that they'll be talking about Jesus. You know, the longer I live, the more I find that it really is not hard to get people to talk about Jesus if you let them talk. It's a sad truth that sometimes religious people are the reason that people don't talk about Jesus. Scripture reading today is from uh, John chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. And this is the Word of God. After his brothers had left for the feast, Jesus went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? And among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Father, grant us uh, your grace today as we consider your word. And, and Father, bless us that uh, we would be a reason why people would talk about Jesus and not a hindrance to it. Be glorified in that we pray. Amen. Well, the feast that's spoken of here is Sukkot. It's one of the three pilgrim feasts of ancient uh, Israel, when those who lived in the area of Jerusalem uh, would go up if they could. They were expected to go up and celebrate the feast there uh, in Jerusalem. The other two are Passover and the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Those are the three times a year that, that Jews in the surrounding area would go to Jerusalem to participate in those pilgrim feasts. And Sukkot takes place in the fall. A couple of years ago, a rabbi friend of mine invited me uh, to his uh, Sukkot celebration. And so my wife and I went uh, to that. By the way, if you ever uh, get invited to that, we didn't know what to expect. We'd never been to one before. Um, and they were very gracious. But if you ever get uh, invited to one, bring food to share. That's what you're supposed to do. And, um, but there was plenty of food there. We got there. There was all kinds of stuff to uh, eat and drink. And, and, and the Feast of Booths, right, is a time when they were, the Israelites were to set up booths or tents to commemorate the time that they were uh, in the wilderness and God was with them. And uh, today, I think uh, most modern Jews, at least in the West, don't live out in the booths, but they spend as much time as they can there. And it's a temporary structure, can be made out of just about anything. Uh, his was made out of PVC piping, and he had camouflage netting over it. And then they would decorate it with things that were important to them. Um, both things that were sacred and things that were ordinary. So there was a passage of scripture up there in uh, Hebrew in this fellow's case, and there was a picture of Jimmy Buffett. And, uh, and, and the idea is there that I bring my whole life, you know, that God shares with me in my whole life. But it's this temporary dwelling. The only rule kind of of the sukkah, that's what they call the booth, 
is that you need to be able to see the stars through the roof. It needs to be temporary enough that you can see the stars through the roof. Um, and, and there was all manner of uh, food and, and, and drink there, and, and people just sat around like we were sitting in a living room, but outside in this booth in October, particularly cold October, so we were, we were all bundled up. Was a, it's a feast that's required by the law of Moses, and so it was inconceivable. They were looking for Jesus because it was almost inconceivable that he wouldn't go. And the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were expecting him to come, and as we've seen, they're already laying plans to get rid of Jesus, and so they're looking for him. But as we saw last week, Jesus is not going to play into their hands, so he goes up quietly. He goes up secretly and he would show himself there only once he's in the crowd because when jesus had been in jerusalem before he had made quite a stir it's an interesting thing you know jesus is always telling the people that he helps and he heals you ever notice this in the gospels he always says don't tell anyone he's always telling people who figure out that he's the messiah he says don't don't tell anyone Seems that as he would say later, his works would speak for him. And you know, I read through the Gospels, and Jesus is the picture of humility. There, there are people who clamor to make a stir, claim to attract or clamor to attract attention to themselves, want to make a name for themselves. And some of those people succeed in doing that. But Jesus' goal in the Gospels, you know, is forever and always to bring glory to his Father. And what prompted the stir, you'll remember, the last time Jesus was in Jerusalem, was that he healed a man at the pool of Bethesda, a man who had been without the use of his legs for 38 years. And it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that that's how he would end his life. Hope was pretty well gone after 38 years, but he was a well-known fixture there. People knew who this man was. And, and now he's walking. Jesus himself, though he's quiet and humble, it's, it's hard to hide the result of what he's done. And so people wanted to talk about Jesus. But they weren't altogether certain what to make of him. You know, throughout the Gospels, even Jesus' disciples are not always sure what exactly to make of him. You, you remember the account where uh, they're in a boat on the Sea of Tiberias, the Lake of Galilee, and they're going across the lake. A storm comes up. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And the disciples wake him up. They say, don't you care that we're, that we're perishing? You know, they're trying to, 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 uh, to, to manage the sails, to bail the water. And, and Jesus wakes up and he rebukes them for their faith. And then it says that he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, hush, and they quiet down. And the disciples say, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. But I'll, I'll tell you that, even throughout the whole of the time that Jesus is with them, as he comes up to when he's going to go to the cross, 
they still don't quite exactly get it. They know him better, but their knowledge is not perfect. And so in chapter 14, we'll say, uh, we'll see Philip as Jesus is talking about his imminent departure. Philip will say, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus will say, Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't know me? He who's seen me has seen the Father. And there's a fascinating passage in Mark chapter 8, particularly as Mark records it, that Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, you know, some say that you're John the baptizer. Some say Elijah or one of the prophets. And he says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And they say, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Significant to note that here in John's gospel, in the passage we just read, that people had varying thoughts about Jesus. And as we've seen with his disciples, even the very best thoughts about Jesus that people have are not perfect. You know what? That includes your thoughts and my thoughts. Thoughts about him are not perfect. And so here, some were saying, he's a good man. Well, that's true enough. It's not enough, but it's true enough. And some were saying, I I think he leads the people astray. He's a deceiver. There's good reason for them to fear that. After all, they didn't know Jesus. And at the time, there were numerous people rising up, claiming to be someone, claiming even to be the Messiah, telling people to follow them. And they don't know Jesus. They've only heard about him. They've heard the stir. Maybe they've seen him at a distance. I think that whether at any point in time people are getting it right or getting it wrong, talking about Jesus is a good thing. Because if people talk about Jesus, they may, by the grace of God, in talking through those things, come to a better understanding. They may come to get it right. They may come to really know him. But if Jesus is forgotten about, if he's not a topic of conversation, well, no one is going to follow someone they've never heard of. Someone's not going to commit their life to somebody they never think about. Someone's not going to bow to someone they're never faced with. And that can be the problem with religious people. Religious people are often the reason people don't talk about Jesus. That's what happened here. In verse 13, we're told, but no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. And let me point out, as I have throughout the, the, our study here in the Gospel of John, that the Jews in John's Gospel, it's not an ethnicity. Jesus is a Jew, Peter's a Jew, all the disciples are Jews. It's speaking here about the leadership in Jerusalem, but it's speaking specifically about those who are 
ethnically Jewish. They're living in Jerusalem and they're, and they're trying to live this lifestyle that looks a great deal like what they thought ancient uh, Israel would look like. Uh, around other places in the empire, uh, it was different because the Jews were far flung. So there were those who were Hellenistic Jews. They had adopted a lot of the clothing and customs of the Greek society in which they lived. You had people in the north living up in Galilee uh, of the Gentiles uh, who were maybe not quite so careful. So these were the, the people who were really religious and who were careful about the religion. And these are probably the people who are all there for Sukkot. They're from various places, and they're, they're talking about Jesus, but they're doing so, we're told, in whispers. And no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews, for fear of the religious people. People wanted to talk about Jesus, but religious people had a chilling effect on that. What, what were they afraid of? Why were they afraid to speak? Well, they were probably afraid that they would transgress some orthodoxy, that they would say something for which they would be shamed or embarrassed. Um, They might be afraid that they would be judged or condemned under the guise of being corrected. And the whole attitude toward people talking about Jesus had a, a chilling effect on it happening. If people were talking at all, John tells us it was in whispers. I wonder if we sometimes have a chilling effect on people talking about Jesus. Now, the religious leaders of Jerusalem would have been glad to have that effect. They didn't want Jesus to be talked about. I don't think we would be glad about that, but we might have that effect nonetheless. Let me give you a couple of examples. There was a, a reformed church that was uh, advertising on social media. So it's, so it's gone out you know, to the general public. We want people to come to our church. That was the stated reason for why they're doing it. And, and they had a beautiful, they created a beautiful picture, a beautiful graphic, and they had a Bible verse on their graph to, to invite everybody to come to their church, right? What, what do you think the Bible verse was that they had? It was Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is being revealed against heaven, from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Right? I've never heard of Jesus before. That's where I want to go, right? That's what people are going to say right? And and I'm thinking to myself, who are they trying to reach? Well, they're trying to reach other people like them who get it, who get the serious things of the scripture. I, 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 I thank God that when I was a young man, before I knew Jesus, that I had friends that encouraged me to talk about Jesus. Because I want to tell you, friends, I had some funny ideas about Jesus when I was coming to faith in him. And and my friends would listen to me, my Christian friends would listen to me with respect and would say, that's interesting. Um, Because they knew that they didn't know everything there's to know about Jesus, but, but when we'd talk, they would tell me what they thought, and they'd tell me why. They'd show me in the Bible why they thought that. 
And eventually, through those discussions, I came to know him. But for about two years after that, I didn't go to church anywhere. Why not? Well, because when I came to Jesus, my hair was still long. I know that's hard to believe now, but my hair used to be down to about here. And when I went into a church, I could feel the eyes on me. Um, I held views that would be condemned. I would say now rightly so. For about a year after becoming a Christian, uh, I believed that it was a moral imperative that a woman had a right to choose whether to terminate her child or not. I, I don't think I would have been shown the same consideration in the church as I was shown by some of my friends. I'm so thankful that I had friends who let me express my thoughts about Jesus and, and they didn't have the chilling effect of having me keep my thoughts to myself. And eventually, because I could talk about it, I came to a better understanding of who Jesus is and what his word teaches. We wouldn't do that here, right? People have been here with long hair. It doesn't bother us. We don't care. I think, and I tell this story with uh, permission of my brother Michael. It was the first or second time that Michael and Julie visited Bethel. And they were talking with people at fellowship time about various topics. And someone decided, first or second time they'd visited, someone decided that they needed to have their theology corrected and took it upon themselves to do that. Now, that's not somebody who's here any longer but it's significant to note that later, as I you know, talked to Michael about it, that that person didn't have it quite right. Because, you see, even disciples don't always know all there is to know about Jesus. But, you know, Michael told me sometime later that, that they almost, as a result of that, didn't come back. I want you to think about that. Um, Michael's been a great blessing as an elder to our church. Almost didn't come back because somebody had a chilling effect on them talking about Jesus. Not being able to talk about Jesus without fear of running afoul of religious people has a chilling effect. You want to see people come to Jesus? Who do people say Jesus is. Or you could say to your friends, who do you say Jesus is? Because those are great questions to ask if we'll, if we'll let them speak. Because when people can talk about Jesus without fear of being judged or condemned or ostracized, well, you never know where those conversations will lead. Is that what you do? Do you encourage people to talk about Jesus? And be honest with yourself now. Or are you one of those religious people who keep people from talking about Jesus? Um, you use your social media account for gospel purposes? What are your posts about? Are they about provoking and correcting everyone else's errors? Or are they about holding up Jesus and inviting people to come to him? 
religious people are often the reason why people won't talk about Jesus. Don't be one of them. Father, uh, we thank you for the challenge of your word. Your word tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness. All of those things have to do with us changing. And so, Father, change us, we pray, and conform us to the image of your Son, Jesus. Lord, that's what, what we desire, for blessing is in that place. We desire to be blessed, and we desire to be a blessing to others. Cause us to be, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen.